College can be expensive, but saving now can help your students save later. Give your child's college savings a boost by registering for a chance at one of 25 $1,000 savings plan deposits for 6th through 12th graders. Sign up today at iowastudentloan.org slash register. Look for the Save Now, Save Later giveaway under the scholarships page. Log on and register today. That's iowastudentloan.org. America with Rich Valdez, powered by PolitiWeek.com. And Rich Valdez is with us, former Christie administration official. You worked for Chris Christie, you've been in politics, done a lot of public service stuff. Rich Valdez, columnist now with the Washington Times. This is America. Richie V, you're on the air with the nation. This is America with your host, Rich Valdez. What's up, America? I am Rich Valdez, Valdez with an S, your liberty-loving Latino amigo, Mr. Call Screener, Richie V, El Conservador, whatever you want to call me. Get me on any social media, at Rich Valdez with an S, Rich Valdez is the name, and I'm hoping that we can connect on social media, and I'm hoping that you're subscribed to this podcast. If it's your first time, welcome to the program. Now, I want to talk about Afghans, not rugs, but the Afghan people, the ones that are co-laboring, that are fighting with American citizens that um, put their lives on the line for their own country, but our countrymen as well. I want to talk about them because there's a lot going on. You've got Kamala Harris saying that this has been a very successful drawdown of the United States Embassy in Afghanistan. Then you've got Jen Pasirko back, Pasaki Silent P, of course. She's saying, well, this has been a very, very successful airlift, and everybody's talking all this jazz. But we've got some audio clips, and I have different opinions that I want to get to, so I'm going to share those with you. But first, I want to make clear that when Kamala Harris, Kemala Eres, the vice president, you know, she got into a little tiff with President Biden. And I'm not sure if she said, well, look, I don't want to deal with the border. I don't want to deal with COVID. And I definitely don't want to deal with Afghanistan. So I'm just going to go to Vietnam. I'm going to go to Singapore. I'm just going to get out of here. And that's Kemala Eres. And here's what she had to say about the successful drawdown. But at least I think her heart's in the right place. Listen to this. But right now, there is no question that our focus has to be on evacuating American citizens, Afghans who worked with us, and vulnerable Afghans, including women and children. That has to be our primary focus and where we are placing our attention on the issue of Afghanistan. And to that end, we have seen a successful drawdown of the embassy, and thankfully, without any American casualties. We have seen thousands of people who have been who have been evacuated from the airport in Afghanistan, where the United States military, doing very hard and difficult work, were able to contain that airport so that we could successfully evacuate the people who have been evacuated so far. So that's Kim Malayanis, the vice president of the United States. And she's saying... We've got to look out for the Americans. Well, even a broken clock is right twice a day, and I think Emmalaires is right. We do have to look out for them. The, the question is, does Secretary Blinken want to do that? The question is, does Joe El Baboso Biden want to do that? Do his uh, henchmen or, or, or cowards in the Pentagon, the Joint Chiefs, do these generals, the Secretary of Defense, Mr. Austin, do these guys, General Milley, do they want to do the same? Are they putting Americans first? I don't know. ITV News played a report of a guy in Afghanistan who was reporting that two kids were locked out of an airport. 
while his parents were able to get into the airport and they were separated. So you got this family separation that's going on in Afghanistan, pleading, pleading with the people saying, Biden, you did this. You have to hear how gut-wrenching this is. Listen to this. And their parents are inside and their children are outside. Right here, they're standing right here. Amid the chaos, we were shown two children apparently left behind when their parents were among the few to be admitted here. Mr. Biden, you did this, you planned this, you made the deal with the Taliban. This is the consequences of it. This is the repercussions of it. Mr. Biden, it's your ill calculation. You were against Trump, now we are against you. Go to hell, Biden! Is there really a commitment to our Afghan allies, Mrs. Kemalaitis? Or is that just something that you're saying, you know, you know, because the right hand doesn't know what the left hand is doing and Joe Ed Bubble, so Biden doesn't give a damn about anything. I mean, and these stories only get worse. Listen to this one. American mom and a government worker trapped in Kabul begging Biden for help, saying, we're stranded at home. We can't get to the airport. I read one report earlier that said people are changing their address and faking their name to stay alive because the Taliban's going door to door. But listen to the despair in this woman's voice. Listen to this. We are stranded at home. We can't get to the airport. When we try to get to the airport, we either get beaten up or we are afraid for our lives. For four days, three, four days, we didn't hear anything from anywhere. And then um, they're saying to go to the airport, but we're not being given clear guidance. They're saying one thing and then the next thing they come and say something else. So you really exactly don't know what to do. There's a lot of miscommunication going on. Um, you know, your emails are getting ignored or I mean, imagine being stranded in a situation like this and not receiving anything for three, four days from the U.S. Embassy or the State Department. I am afraid for my life that I don't know how, you know, how things are going to go. But I really need, I really need our president to really, um, really consider this serious. We are in danger. We are in danger. Mr. President, please help us. Absolutely horrific. These people are fighting for their lives. And she with the, like we say in Spanish, con el mayor respeto, with the absolute utmost respect is pleading with her president to please rescue her. She's got more class than I do, guaranteed. I would not be that generous with my words with President Biden in a situation like that. I don't think I would. Maybe I would. I, I just don't think I would. I think she's being very generous. You know, and the sad part here is only 5% of the people being evacuated from Afghanistan are Americans. This is according to a report in thefederalist.com. More than 82,300 people have been airlifted from Kabul since the government's collapse nearly two weeks ago. But the Pentagon says that as of Wednesday, only 4,400 Americans were rescued. That's a small number. But I'm not saying we should leave behind the other folks. I think that, you know, I was on Newsmax this morning, and I think that it's very important for us to stick with these allies because of who they are and what they've done. Right? These are guys that came, they put down their goat herding staff, picked up a, a gun or a, a set of binoculars or whatever it was to, to be a spotter, to be a uh, translator, to, to be a soldier, and to be trained to protect their country, Afghanistan. And they did that neck to neck, shoulder to shoulder with American soldiers. So I say, hey, let's get these people out of there. And if you know 95% of them are that, I guess that's part and parcel of what we're there to do. But we really should get the Americans in there first. 
And if the Americans are stranded further out or don't know how to get around as easily as these guys do because they are hiding in plain sight, right? If you're an Afghan in Afghanistan, you're not necessarily sticking out the way an American would. But I think we need to be there for them. In the same way, I think we need to do more to get to the Americans that need to get out. Now, Joe Biden previously promised to get every American out of there that wanted to come home. And that's the key. Hopefully they're not full of crap and saying, well, we said they wanted to come. I guess they didn't want to come. If they wanted to come, they should have made it to the airport. If it's that kind of thing, we're in bad shape. The State Department confirmed also that a majority of the people whisked away on flights from Kabul are not U.S. citizens. On Tuesday, Politico National security reporter Alex Ward reported leaked numbers indicating that in just 15 hours on August 23rd, the United States evacuated approximately 6,916 people from Afghanistan. Only 483 of those people were American citizens, while the rest were Afghan nationals. Now, these estimates suggest that there's still lots of Americans left. They think right now the current estimate is about a... 1,500 Americans still left in Afghanistan. What they're basing these estimates on, I don't know, because every time you ask for numbers, nobody seems to know anything. And they just leave everything, um, you know, well, let's just leave it at that. Well, let's just, uh, for now, let's just put it there. And and this is is what we really have to focus on, right? And so kudos to any reporter that's out there holding them to the fire. You know, I saw one audio and I played it on the radio earlier on my show on WPHT where the reporter's asking about you know, uh, what's going on with the numbers? Uh, we have estimates of 10,000, 15,000. And he says, well, they fluctuate hour to hour. And I'm thinking, numbers may fluctuate hour to hour. But excuse me and correct me if I'm wrong. But if these numbers are fluctuating, you know, it should be like dwindling down. Oh, we had 10,000. Oh, now we got 6,000. Not we've got 3,000. No, today we've got 4,000. No, 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 no. Now we got 15,000. Nope, sorry, messed up. We're at 11,000. It doesn't work that way. I mean, you have to have some sort of range. And not giving out the numbers and pretending you don't really know how to count passports or whatever it is, isn't, um, in my opinion, very fair. It's not also very honest, right, if we're going to be frank. But again, I give kudos to the reporters that are stepping up because there's some people here that are like, look, I'm a leftist just like you. But guess what? What you're doing is horrible. I'm all about, you know, um, promoting um, gay issues and, and racial issues and all of that domestic stuff. But when it comes to, like... Just killing Americans, leaving them behind enemy lines and embarrassing us on the international stage. I think enough is enough. Ya basta, right? Well, this one reporter uh, today, Wednesday, tells um, Secretary Anthony Blinken at a press conference, why does the U.S. even have to pay attention to what the Taliban wants? Good for him. I want you to listen to this. Your spokesperson indicated in recent days that de facto the Taliban are in charge in Kabul. But... There is no legal recognized government by the United States at this moment. And it kind of begs the question, why does the United States even have to pay attention to what the Taliban wants? It's an SDGT. It's sanctioned by many organizations. It's already losing access to Afghan government resources because of its past and current behavior. Why should the United States even care what the Taliban wants to be done at the airport or, frankly, anywhere else in the country, since they are not, in the U.S.'s eyes, a legally recognized government? Mm -hmm. Thank Thank you. you. Thank you. Our focus right now is on getting our citizens and getting other, our partners, uh, Afghan partners, um, 
third country partners who've been working in Afghanistan with us uh, out of the country into safety. And for that purpose, first, uh, the, the Taliban, whether we like it or not, is in control, largely in control of the country, certainly in control of, uh, of the city of Kabul. Um, and it's been important to uh, work with them to try to uh, facilitate and ensure the departure of all those who want to leave. Guys like Blinken, I wouldn't trust them as far as I could throw them. When they say things like, oh, of course, you know, all of those that want to leave, blah, blah, blah. That's political doublespeak. We're literally seeing them say words and do nothing because the actions are not speaking louder than the words because the actions aren't happening. This is a very big concern, I think. I think this is something we should be concerned about. I think we should also be concerned when Joe Biden's more concerned with uh, being a smartass when asked uh, tough questions by reporters than just, you know, manning up and answering the question. Lately, all he does is he makes a statement and he walks away. And here's Joe Biden at a cybersecurity event at the White House today, Wednesday, making a smirk and saying, you know, uh, you're the first one I'm going to call. And then they cut off his mic because they know that he's being a jerk. This is totally out of control. Listen to this. Mr. President, Americans are still out here. So, you know, this whole thing does not come as any surprise to me that the people that are surrounded by Biden, they do whatever they want. They try to keep him out of the loop. They try to keep him from embarrassing himself. They should have tried to keep him from embarrassing all of America. And that's where we are today. You've got the Taliban turning people away. You've got John Kirby, uh, the... uh, Pentagon, the spokesman there, saying, you know what? We're not in charge of this evacuation. It's not inside of our control. Listen to this one. Outside of that, the Taliban have set up checkpoints. We've talked about this before. And we are in daily communication with Taliban commanders about who we want to see get in and what the credentials are, what they look like, what's valid. Uh, and that that, com- that communication happens literally every day. We have been uh, nothing but open with uh, the Taliban about uh, who we expect them to let in. Uh, again, fully recognize that it's uh, that uh, that n- that uh, not every step of this process is in our firm control and that there are going to be instances where uh, it doesn't work as advertised. Oh, so there's going to be instances where it doesn't work as advertised. Well, thank you for that, sir. Thank you for your words of wisdom. Thanks for just really um, being a real mensch, a real class act. I mean, these people, they just they just don't realize how important this stuff is or they don't, they don't care. They're so detached from reality, they don't give a damn. Or Biden's just ready to capitulate on everything. He's like, listen, don't sweat it. Listen, I got hairy legs. Come on, man. Should we test you for cocaine? If you don't know if you're for me or for Trump, then you ain't black, right? I learned about cockroaches. It's like a storybook, man, and all those other great idioms that we've heard from him. I think Biden's ready to just say, what the Taliban want? I'll give it to my word as a Biden. I'll give them whatever they want. Me and Barack, when we had the White House last time, we sent pallets of cash in the middle of the night. We'll do it again. Yeah, that's it. What do they want? Ten grand per American? A million dollars per American? We can do. We'll print more money. We've got the Fed now. Don't worry. Who's going to do that, sir? I'll get Hunter on it. Yeah, I got this. And I think I think that's where he's at. And he's just like, look, we're out of there. I get to say I shut down the war, and then everybody else is uh, is cool. 
with us uh, not being here. I think ultimately that's where they are. Ready to surrender, ready to capitulate, ready to give in to the demands of the Taliban. It's a sad truth. Disappointing, but not surprising. Keep it locked right there. There's more to come. We're going to talk about what's going on with the police, uh, what one rapper is doing in terms of uh, his relationship with the police, and what's going on with putting ankle monitors on students in the name of coronavirus. Some updates from the Fouch uh, the Fouch Stir, as I like to call him. Uh, the Fouch is what Levin calls him. I call him the Fouch Stir. And uh, we're going to get to all of that and more right now, straight ahead on This is America. I'm Rich Valdez. This is America. Find your next truck at Woodhouse Buick GMC. No matter where you're heading or what tasks need tackling, there's a premium and capable GMC truck that's perfect for you. Make a statement on the job site out on the town, or wherever life leads you in the powerful and distinctive Sierra 1500. Or elevate your driving experience in the adventurous and innovative canyon. Explore our inventory online at WoodhouseBuickGMC.com or visit our indoor showroom today. Woodhouse Buick GMC. We are professional grade. This is America. All right, America, welcome back. Rich Valdez, Valdez with an S. And we are rocking out with so many of our good Americans that are uh, tuned into the show. Thank you for joining the program. If it's your first time, make sure you're subscribed. If you're not on social media, get on social media. Not just for me. It's, it's a lot of fun to troll these people. When you see some of the stupidest things you've ever heard, you get to hit them back. And if you are on social media, I invite you to please check me out. I'm at Rich Valdez, at Rich Valdez with an S on all the social media platforms, on Getter, on Parler, uh, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, all that stuff. And I try to get to them as often as I can. Now, I don't want to fly through this, but I just want to get to a lot of stuff today and, you know, keep it within our 30 to 40 minute time frame so that this is not longer than your commute and you don't have to pause this and listen to today's news over the next three days trying to catch up on a podcast. So I try to keep all of that in mind when packing this stuff in. Now, I was looking at some of the cuts that I have and some of the transcripts I got from Dr. Anthony Fauci. Some of the things he's saying here. Listen to this. This is great. This is from Tuesday. He's on CNN. Maybe COVID will be under control by spring of 2022. Now, I'm going to laugh at him because when Trump said, oh, you know, this will turn the corner, uh, things will start to subside in the spring. And they did in the spring and in the summer. And then they came back because apparently this is seasonal, like the flu. But Fauci says, oh, yeah, that's, you know, that's what's going on when he was talking to Anderson Cooper. Now, he continued. He went on. He says, look, look, look. I respect uh, people's freedom, but this is a public health crisis and enough is enough. So, yeah, basta, who cares what type of liberty you have or what type of liberty you claim to have and who cares about your freedom? Because just because the Supreme Court of the United States ruled that we don't give up our liberty in times of a global pandemic doesn't mean anything to him, right? Listen to this. But the other thing that you just mentioned now is they're going to give a lot of incentive and backing for a lot of institutions and organizations and places of employment to mandate, and that could be colleges, university, the military, organizations that employ a lot of people, some of the big corporations are going to say, if you want to work for us in person, you've got to be there and get vaccinated. And I think that's a good thing. I know I respect people's freedom, but when you're talking about a public health crisis that we've been going through now, 
for well over a year and a half. The time has come. Enough is enough. We've just got to get people vaccinated. Enough is enough. Yeah, basta, right? That's it. That's enough. Come on, don't sweat me, man. Put your liberty for later. Come on, man. I'd like to see those two get drunk together and make a video, right? You know, you got Fauci say, well, you know, things are very uh, circuitous. We say yes, but we're really saying no. We're saying it's a maybe, but it's a definite. It's like a definite maybe and like a yes and a no, because that's how we do it. It's got that Mel Brooks uh, kind of uh, thing going on with the Fauchster. And then, you know, you got Joe Biden with his gurgle. Come on, man. I got to work on those impressions. But those two guys are funny. And I think watching them, you know, share a bottle of whatever would be quite the spectacle. Now, exchanging our liberty for some security from the coronavirus is been the debate for a long time. How much are we going to give up in the name of the coronavirus? We gave up so much on our elections. Uh, Earlier on the radio show today, I had a guest uh, George, not George, he's from Star Wars. Fred Lucas from the White House uh, correspondent uh, group for the Daily Signal. He wrote this article and you can check it out. I'll tweet it out so that you can hear it. And uh, maybe I'll grab that interview and I'll put that out as well as a bonus because it was interesting, uh, some of the stuff he talked about. And this was part of what uh, Mark Levin discussed on the radio as well the other night. Same article from the Daily Signal where they, uh, in the name of coronavirus, changed all these laws and, you know, kind of discounted or didn't account for, I don't know, something like almost 15 million votes in the 2020 election. And I saw this story. Headline, Washington Public School forces student-athletes to wear ankle monitors for purposes of COVID segregation. And this was teen athletes to say, you know, we want to segregate the vaccinated from the non-vaccinated. And this report came from one of the parents. This is an exclusive in the post-millennial. And I thought, man, what, what's next? And it gets more interesting because, again, as you may know, I have a 15-year-old daughter. And the lead here is a 15-year-old girl was allegedly forced to wear an ankle tracking monitor for volleyball practice at Eatonville High School in Washington State as a condition of participating in team sports. This was required of both vaccinated and unvaccinated students. According to her mother, who spoke anonymously with the post-millennial, her daughter was at practice for the public school's volleyball team and texted her mom that she was being asked to put on an ankle monitor. The teen did not answer the mother's follow-up texts or calls, so the mom assumed that she was playing during practice and attempted to call the school by phone. No one at the school was able to answer her questions about this monitor, so she drove to the school building. The mom spoke to an employee in the school office as well as a coach, and was informed that there was a meeting last week discussing the ankle monitoring program for unvaccinated teens. The program was allegedly designed for contact tracing in the event of a positive COVID outbreak. It's called the Trace Tag device, and it's used by the school, but was made by a company called Triax. Now, according to Triax's website, the device is created with the purpose of, quote, maintaining social distancing guidelines, to provide real-time insight into whether these guidelines are being observed, end quote. And they do this for construction sites and other manufacturing businesses. But it makes no mention of this being used for schools on their website. The device, quote again, is a visual and audible alarm. So individuals know when to adjust their current distance to a proper social distance. 
Additionally, the monitors provide passive collection of worker interactions for contact tracing should an individual test positive. According to Triax, the device is affixed to any hard hat or worn on the body for proximity detection and contact tracing. The mother identified the coach who used this equipment, a guy named Gavin Kralik, who told her that the device would inform players when they were too close together and was only used for indoor sports. She was also informed that the device would be used for contact tracing in the event of a, a positive COVID test. Now, non-vaccinated students would have to quarantine for up to 14 days. Vaccinated students would not have to quarantine. The devices were not mentioned in the school district's back-to-school policies for fall of 21. The mom said she was told by Kralik that there were other forms and like opt-out forms that one could fill out. And that was given out at a meeting the previous week, which she wasn't even informed about. And never received any communication about either. How convenient. And what's interesting is, According to the mom, the athletic director acknowledged the error and said, oh, I apologize for the, quote, slip up of not getting her consent before putting her kid in an ankle bracelet. The mom said that when she went to the school, employees uh, that she was talking to told her daughter she could go home, but the teen was asked by an office staff member to remove the device before she even showed herself to her mom and that the mother could only photograph the device if it was in Mr. Kralik's hand not on her ankle. The mom was later identified on a talk radio program on KVI and continued to talk about what transpired in this whole thing. Now, this is really messed up because my kid gets a Chromebook from her school and the Chromebook, you have to like sign a form. They sign a form at the beginning of the year saying you lose the charger, you break the thing, you break it, you bought it, that type of thing. Here you have all this equipment on a kid's ankle, and what? Nobody knows anything. Now, this, this goes on. Adding to the intrigue, the school board was approached by Kralik, one of the school's athletic directors, about the program, uh, saying that, you know, we would never do this, and that they were going to use it for the football team, we were tracking it with GPS, yada, 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 but we decided not to, but if we do it, our booster team is going to pay for it. I mean, you can read the article for yourself. There's a whole bunch more in here. That's not all of it, but... What's fascinating is at the end, they, they decide to say, you know, we're, we're tabling this thing. We're going to shelf this. School board director Matt Marshall tells the uh, post-millennial, um, we, we've shelved these devices until the proper procedures, including community input and board approval uh, processes occur. Well, you know what? I think that's actually a really good idea before you put somebody's kid in an ankle bracelet that you ask for their permission and that you bring it up and you get public comment because who the hell are you to make these decisions? And this is the problem with doing things in the name of COVID. Once and for all, people need to stand up for something or they will fall for absolutely anything. Anyway, keep it locked right there. Quick story on what's going on with Little Wayne and the police and one other thing, and then we're going to wrap. Don't move a muscle. I'm Rich Valdez. This is America. This is America. Find your next truck at Woodhouse Buick GMC. No matter where you're heading or what tasks need tackling, there's a premium and capable GMC truck that's perfect for you. Make a statement on the job site, out in the town, or wherever life leads you in the powerful and distinctive Sierra 1500. Or elevate your driving experience in the adventurous and innovative canyon. Explore our inventory online at WoodhouseBuickGMC.com or visit our indoor showroom today. Woodhouse Buick GMC. We are professional grade. This is America.
All right, America, welcome back. Rich Valdez, Valdez with an S. And uh, here we go. Rapper Little Wayne says he's doing something with the police. And it's not what you may think. Listen to this one. Little Wayne has pledged his financial support to a police officer who saved his life. And he says, as a matter of fact, the pair stay in touch till this date. And this is from a piece that I looked at and I said, let me print this out on dailywire.com and check it out. Former New Orleans police officer Robert Hubler, a.k.a. Uncle Bob, told TMZ on Tuesday that rapper Lil Wayne has offered to financially support him or help him with anything else he needs as long as the uh, former officer needed that help. All he had to do was call. Hubler was the officer who saved Wayne. His real name, uh, Dwayne Michael Carter Jr., from a self-inflicted gunshot wound at age 12. The rapper has come forward in recent years to talk about the suicide attempt and mental health. Hubler, an ex-police officer, said that he saw Wayne in New Orleans for a radio show back in 2019. When they ran into each other, he told Hubler that he would provide him with financial support if he ever needed it. All he had to do was say when. That's according to page six. They also noted that Hubler's never taken any money from Little Wayne despite the offer, but there's been talks about him joining Wheezy's team in some sort of administrative capacity. Wayne rapped about Hubler on a 2015 song, London Roads, where it was suggested that Uncle Bob had died. Now, Uncle Bob is still alive and says that he got in touch with Little Wayne and let him know that the reports of rumors are greatly exaggerated, blah, 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 blah. And he said, I'd be ready to pay for the funeral if it was true, but thank God it wasn't necessary. In 2016, Little Wayne said he referenced Officer Hubler picking him up off the ground and rushing him to the hospital after he shot himself in the chest with a quote from his song. That day that I shot myself, the police came through there. They knocked the doors down. I was on the floor. They hopped over me looking for drugs, said Wayne. It was a white policeman that ran up and stopped and said, what the F are y'all doing? Don't you see this kid, this baby laying on the floor? He picked me up, brought me to the hospital himself. He was white. Now, Wayne has been known for saying racism is done. It, it's dead because a white man saved a black kid like him. For years, it was assumed by Wayne's gunshot wound was an accident, but the rapper has since revealed that it was a suicide attempt. Talking about the struggle he was feeling at the time of the attempt, Wayne revealed that uh, earlier this month that his family did not discuss these feelings openly. He also emphasized that he did not have a father growing up, leading his mother to play both roles, suggesting that it might have been harder on him just out of necessity, life and all of that. The 38-year-old rapper credited God with keeping him alive that day. And the last piece here says, notably, back in 2016, Little Wayne knocked the uh, NFL quarterback Colin Kaepernick for his anti-police protest, saying that he's never experienced racism in America. And the Daily Wire reported on that back then, saying it's the man's decision. Wayne said of the protest, I'm not into that stuff enough to even give an opinion. So when he did it, someone had to tell me why he was doing it. And that's how much I didn't know what was going on. And I still kind of don't know. Host Skip Bayless asked, where are we in the United States of America and race relations in terms of what you see from your own day-to-day life? Wayne responds, Skip, they wouldn't want to ask me that. I've never dealt with racism. I'm glad I didn't have to. I don't know if it's because of my blessings, but I do know it's my reality, he said. I thought it was over. I still believe it's over, but obviously it isn't. So you've never experienced any offensive behavior 
from any other color? No, sir, said Little Wayne. No, sir. So that's that story from the Daily Wire. It was a good story. I, I love the optimism that Little Wayne brings in. Again, that's a, a big part of my story. And you know, I've had some negative experiences. I think we can't say racism don't exist. It doesn't, I should say. We can't say that. But of course we can say that it's definitely not as prevalent as it once was. It's not systemic. There is no redlining. Things like that that are designed. You know, when people say that enti- the, the fact that we have police is racist, that's stupid. Yep, that's my argument. That's my eloquence there. That is stupid. Forgive me. It's good to see that there's some positive news out there about police and about, uh, you know, folks in the urban community because they get a tough, uh, a tough rap all the time. They really do. And kudos to Little Wayne for standing up for something, right? Because I always say, if you stand for nothing, you'll fall for anything. And that's why we, that's exactly what we need to do, what Hamilton uh, told us to do, right? Stand for something. Don't just let it go by. And like Lord Acton and Sir Edmund Burke, the only thing necessary for evil to triumph is for good people like you to do nothing. So do something, say something, stand up. Like Gandhi said, be the change you want to see in this world. Until the next time, America. Hasta la próxima. I am Rich Valdez, and this is America. This is America. 